Welcome everybody to the Americana Station podcast. First off, I want to apologize. I have been on the road for quite some time. I meant to put up Wilson Harwood's podcast two weeks ago, and then it got bumped to this past Friday, and now it is bumped to this Friday, which uh, I apologize for that taking so long on that, but uh, you know, things get uh, a little crazy on the road. I actually forgot all my podcast equipment, so I couldn't uh, mix it while I was on the road, and uh, actually was playing some shows with the Rayo Brothers down in uh, South Louisiana and New Orleans and Lafayette, and uh, was supposed to have Dan Rayo and Jesse Rayo on the podcast for a future episode. Forgot all my podcast equipment, so now we have to uh, reschedule it for uh, later in the year, unfortunately. But we will have them on the podcast. I'm excited to have them on the podcast. They are an incredible band. Um, but today is about Wilson Harwood, so we want to talk about him a little bit. Now, Wilson has um, an album out. Uh, he currently is... Uh, writing new songs and um producing and uh all of those things so anyway without further ado let's get into the program we'll talk a lot i have a lot of exciting news at the end of this uh episode of the podcast that we're going to talk about i've got some showcases coming up i'm really excited about we've got some future people coming on the podcast that i'm really excited about so stick around after this but uh with no further ado here comes wilson harwood Hey everyone, and welcome to the new episode of the podcast. Today I have special guest Wilson Harwood on the show. How are you doing, Wilson? Doing great. Awesome. So glad to have you on today, man. How have you been? Uh, you've been doing a lot of co-writing and uh, yeah, producing yeah. lately. Yeah, a lot of co-writing and a lot of producing. Um, working out of uh, my home studio here in East Nashville. and Not to be confused with home. Not to be confused with home, which I've actually been working at too, which yeah. we can talk about as well, which is interesting. Um, and yeah, getting some new music together, uh, writing new songs uh, for myself, which may see the light of day one of these days, yeah. uh, and working with other artists as well. That's awesome. Um, who are some of the artists you've been working with? Um, so long term, I've been here almost two years now. It'll be two years uh, in July, end of July. And uh, for almost all of that, I've been working with Claire Kelly. Um, okay. She's actually on tour in Europe right now, so we, we've had a little break. Yeah. And uh, and then I've worked with a lot of other people, kind of in and out. Um, some of them kept up with, some of them, you know, we've kind of gone our separate ways. Uh, and then, yeah, most recently, this an artist named Sarah Ailey, um, which has been really fun. Yeah, we were just talking about that before the podcast, and... Um I've actually written with Sarah before as well. Um, probably, I think it's been two years now, man. But uh, what, what's she been up to? What have y'all been writing? So we, uh, it's kind of exciting because it's like one of those co-writes where uh, there's a little chemistry there and you're like, wow. And the main thing we, we realized right off the bat was our voices harmonizing together was, was really powerful and really sounded great. Um, and the songs kind of just came out, you know, it's like, it felt fluid and, and easy. And so I think both of us kind of got that excitement of like, Oh, this could be something. This could be yeah. something, you know, it's kind of, I think what happens with every co-write you're like, it's like dating, right? It's so similar to dating. You're yeah. like, Oh, is this going to go somewhere? Should I call her again? Should I call her again? <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah. So I, 
uh, we're, we're, we just finished producing the first song that we wrote. Um, well, I should say we're finishing it today, actually, um, th- today of the podcast recording. Um, and, uh, and it sounded awesome. It sounded really good. So I'm really excited and, uh, I'm not sure where I, I didn't want to talk too much about it cause I'm not sure where it's going to go, but just be super we'll vague, see. very yeah. vague. Yeah. The more vague, the better. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be a song. There'll be a song or two yeah. or three. It has a, maybe a major Spotify. and a minor in it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We sing together. They're singing. It's going to be chords. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, that's been fun. And that's, that's the most recent, um, I've been hanging out at this place called Home, uh, which is helping our music evolve. Um, started by Logan uh, Crowell, and uh, it's down right off Main Street, where yeah. there's a big center called Six One Five Center. I think it's across from the old Family Wash that's now closed. The R. new R. old Family Wash, yeah. Yeah. R.I.P. And uh, it's cool. I highly recommend everyone check it out at least. And uh, it's like a community space for musicians like we work or something like that but they have a recording studio professional recording studio awesome live room event space and then also even a rehearsal room that's uh acoustically treated that we record drums in as well there that's got a killer drum sound yeah you were telling me a little bit about that um yeah they're having some workshops and stuff some like mm-hmm. um radio station djs coming in yeah, we did a pitch to Lightning 100 yeah. a couple of weeks ago. That was really cool to see that. The level of uh, quality of music in Nashville is crazy. Every time I do that, I'm like, oh, man, like, yeah. you know, it's crazy. Yeah, people are like, yeah, we just record this. Uh, my There's multiple people who their significant other was a producer. Yeah. And they just sort of like singer-producer combo, and it just sounded killer, and it was all pop music. Oh, okay, yeah. Really amazing like pop music the pop scene here is really growing exponentially. yeah i would say so for sure there's a lot of people moving here um so yeah that whole home thing is awesome and uh just yesterday we got together and uh my friend uh, who i met there brad who moved here from san francisco um he's an awesome producer writer and he just put his ableton rig we had, there's a conference room in there we just put the ableton rig on the desk and i just played banjo and then this Cuban Trace thing, and we just like recorded, you know, I would just play something for a while, and he's like, sweet, I'm gonna like cut this up and like chop it up and put it into some crazy pop, hip hop beat or something. That's yeah, it was kind of interesting. I've never done that before. Yeah. Uh, so just cool, creative things like that, you know. Like things you might not have ever experienced otherwise. Yeah, yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. So that's a nonprofit too. I saw. I yeah, it's that, a nonprofit. Yeah, which is really cool. Yeah, just kind of trying to help our uh, music evolve. We're just Not trying to, to help too. that music evolve. <laughs> yeah, I think it's gonna blow up here once people get wind of it. Yeah. So tell your friends, but don't tell your friends. <laughs> so you've been, <laughs> so you've been doing some producing. Well, and now it's on the podcast, so everyone's gonna know. Thanks a lot, Wilson. I know. No, it's good. We the word needs to be spread out. <laughs> Everyone should know about it. So you've been doing some producing. Um, yeah. Who have you been to. producing lately? Anyone you could talk about? Yeah. So I did, um, like I said, with Claire, um, she just put out a couple of songs. Okay. I think she's about to put out an EP, but she went to Europe and couldn't get the EP finished quite oh. ready for the tour. So she's going to, I think, release it when she gets back. I don't okay. want to say anything. I'm not totally sure. Uh, but I did help her produce a couple of those songs. And then I mixed a couple of the songs on her record. 
uh, which is awesome. I love doing that. Love working with artists. Yeah. Um, uh, I worked with Emma Brooke recently. Do you know her? Yeah, I know Emma. We've heard her before. Yeah, she's an incredibly talented songwriter. Beautiful voice too. Just like awesome and and it was really fun to work with her on a, a demo that she did recently. I That's think awesome. it turned out awesome. I was like so stoked on it. Um, and so that was just a great experience. And yeah, what else have I done? Um, the stuff with Sarah's starting up again um, that I was talking about. So we're finishing up a track with her. Uh, and you did some writing with Laura, Laura Rabel too, right? Yep. Yeah, yeah. Laura Rebel. Rebel, sorry. I think that's how you pronounce her last name. Yeah. Um, yeah, we did. We've been writing together for... Um, Gosh, almost like a year and a half now too. Yeah, it's cool. She's and awesome. I love her and her husband EJ. They're great. yeah, they're great. EJ's great. The, yeah. Uh, I didn't realize until we went to Folk Alliance. You told me that. Um, uh, are you feeling what I'm feeling? Yeah. That that was a co-write with her, right? Yeah, yeah. That yeah. was a great song. Yeah, yeah I love that was that our song. first song. Uh, it's been hard to top the first song. Yeah, <laughs> sometimes it is. <laughs> uh, but I'm in the. Unfortunately, her song has gotten a little backlogged, but it's one of the, we wrote something specifically for sync licensing. Yeah. Um, with that in mind. And it's this awesome, like heavy rock song. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. Which is like something I'm not usually doing, but I really, it's so fun. Like two, like multiple distorted guitars. Yeah. Uh, just amp crank to 10, you know, just like raging and she's belting out, uh, this awesome song. Um, I'll think of the reference so people could hear what we were talking about. Uh, what was the name of the band? I'll think of it. Um, but yeah, that, that one's really cool. I'm excited to, to finish that up too. That's cool. So, um, on the topic of sync licensing, you've mm-hmm. been, you said you've been kind of like working towards that for the last couple of years and it's almost like a, you know, uh, an enigma trying to it is. nail it down. Yeah. As soon as you get close to like, oh, we did it. Like, oh, we got something here. Like, oh, we're making progress. It's like, for me at least, it feels like, wait, I kind of feel like I'm still starting over again. Yeah. Uh, But what I've learned, what I've learned is that I've learned a lot, which is cool. You know, it's like I'm not completely in the dark of this whole sync licensing world. And I keep learning more about it the more I I try to work with... uh, more artists and I we've had some success you know getting some uh two agents that are helping to pitch the songs but like I said it's like when we got the the agent to help us pitch it's like yes this is awesome and then you wait and it's been like a year and like nothing's happened yeah and then you know so you're kind of like okay mini success forward yet I'm still at square you know where I'm starting from right yeah so it's a long everyone tells me it's a long game and it's it's getting, I think, more and more competitive all the time. Yeah. Uh, more and more people are going that direction. And uh, and unfortunately, I've heard the industry, at the same time that more and more people are getting involved in it, the, the pie is getting smaller. Uh, the payouts are getting smaller and, right. and things like that. So not to be super negative, it's just sort of the nature of this more democratic uh, industry that I think we're dealing with, where everyone can make music, you know, just yeah. plug in your laptop and you're ready to go. Yeah. And it's, it's almost again, akin to like the dating world where it's like, you know, they can just log on and swipe through 400 songs and be like, ah, something better will come tomorrow, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, I talked about this on a previous podcast whenever I had Fawn Larson on, but we did one for Wrigley gum and they specifically asked for us cause they liked our style 
to do this Dusty Springfield song. And uh, we spent like, I think two or three days in the studio getting it right, leading it. It's like a four, I've seen the commercial more times than I ever want to see it. And, uh, you know, you're like trying to get like all the little hits like perfectly timed to like certain things that happen in the commercial and like, um, which is great when you actually have the commercial so you can work with that. But um, we did all that and we spent like two days hyper-focused on that 30 seconds and then... Um, I mean, we, we did the entire song, but, um, mostly on that 30 seconds. And then they said, no, they just, they picked a, a piano ballad I know. to go over the track. That in a nutshell explains the industry perfectly. Yeah. It's like everything I've read and everything I've experienced is like, you just kind of put in a lot of work and you just keep getting better. And I think that's the part that's exciting to me is like, I'm becoming a better writer and producer all the time by just cranking out songs yeah but it gets to a point where you're like oh my gosh like one of these has to go through because i'm literally working for free you know for, right for for now almost years i yeah. can say yeah uh so anyone who's getting into it I, I would warn them i'd be like keep that enthusiasm because that's what has to carry you yeah because you through. do the one and it's like oh cool i just got a twenty thousand dollar payout or something like yeah. that but you've already put like forty thousand dollars worth of work yeah exactly <laughs> yeah if i got a twenty thousand dollar payout i'd be like this is awesome but then i'd be like well i need like four more of those yeah, <laughs> you know? it's, like, exactly. it's like it kind of gets that point but like i said i think i'm looking at it now as like it's really helped my production chops and, and, yeah. and learning about the industry too is really interesting. Um, and you're, I, I feel like I'm constantly having to evolve. Like what I thought I was trying to accomplish six months ago might change in six months, I guess. How is that reflected on your writing? Like your upcoming yeah. writing that you're doing? Well, um, the, the most recent writing I've been doing has been much more just free and open, like more creative based. Yeah. Um, in the past six to nine months, especially when I'm working with Claire and we're like a partnership and we, we have a specific goal of sync in mind. It's the writing is very focused on that, which, um, for those of you that might not know, like sync licensing writing from what I've heard is like, you want to keep it somewhat vague so that it can be placed in different scenes. So like no names and no proper nouns, like, Sydney or London or right. San Francisco. Um, and, and you know, those, I think those rules can be broken, but in general that, that kind of keeps it there. And then the themes are usually, there's like a set of themes. It's kind of, it's so corporate in a way that it yeah. drives me crazy, but I like it too, because it sometimes when you're creating art, it's nice to have boundaries. It's a challenge too. Yeah. It's yeah. a challenge to, it's more of a craft. And so I like that aspect of it. Um, and, uh, so, so that, that keeps it focused when I'm writing like that. And occasionally I'll write with somebody and they're on the same page immediately, uh, with the whole sync licensing thing. You know, I've met a lot of writers here who are really into that as like a potential outlet for songs. And so we might write with that in mind, but then I have met with other people where it's like totally just artist driven, very open, free. Um, and I kind of like those not better but i like them equally i want to balance them out yeah i, I have so a friend too much of one um that lives in green hills that he's um he's a producer for like ccm music but he specifically like 
you know, Monday through Friday, most of his stuff is like sync licensed stuff, like where he's just like writing with other people and like pitching all this stuff and like makes a good living doing it. It's kind of crazy. Let let me get his number (laughs) and uh, (laughs) I'm going to ask him him. a couple questions. Yeah. Yeah. But he's like, he's on the grind. Like he's always in the studio just writing stuff. Yeah. uh, it's key. I think that's the key thing. Yeah. Um, and I wish I could do it more. I've just, as you know, like a lot of us balance like these side jobs and things. Right. And I'm not quite ready to just like full in full on yeah. studio every day, nine to five, nine to midnight, whatever it ends yeah. up being. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a tough world to be in, especially as like an artist. Cause, um, you know, you're writing, and you're producing and you're recording, which are all great, but the there at some point that you you know you also want to be an artist and and uh, you know so you got to get out there and like actually you know tour around, which um, it's a great segue because we're actually doing a few dates together yeah, this summer, yeah, totally. which I'm excited about. And um, uh, I know that you've been more focused on like the producing and and writing and and studio aspect of it, but. Um, how do you like how do you feel about being out on the road or, or being an artist because i know like we went to folk alliance together and mm-hmm. you kill the artist game like you do a great job oh, you're really good you. at pro- uh, promoting yourself and you know when you did um your album release last year you know people were like really like uh into what you were doing and and i and i saw like a lot of like uh growth and like who knew who you were people who knew who you were and like uh who was listening to you and like kind of um like, I don't know, you just killed the artist game, but you like lately, at least in the last six months, it seems like you've been focusing on the producer and, and writer area. Like, do you yeah. see yourself like getting back out there as an artist and pushing <laughs> more stuff? That's a good question. At the moment, uh, not per se. I think yeah. for what happened for me was that I, I, I hit a point with the artist thing where I was getting super burnt out for sure yeah. on like all the self-promotion and marketing and booking. And I was feeling like I wasn't doing the music very much and it was everything but music. Um, and I kind of lost, I don't know. I I don't want to say I lost interest, but I, I just sort of hit this point of like, okay, I want to shift things up. And at the same time that that, that feeling was happening, I was getting really into building the home studio a little bit. And finally, which I've always loved ever since I was in high school, I've loved recording and, and I kind of, realized I was there was a split happening like a fork in the road and I decided to take uh the production route a little bit more I mean that doesn't say that I won't ever go back to maybe focusing on the artist side right um but just at the moment it just didn't feel right it's just like the the constant grinding the constant trying to tour uh it was really taking a toll on me both yeah probably mentally more than physically but yeah, so I I think it was healthy to take a step back, um, and and kind of look at it and and the balance you're talking about I haven't figured it out I am by <laughs> no means uh, uh, successful at that um, at all so I don't know if there is a good way because once you decide to become like you said your friend who's like in the studio five days a week yeah uh, the the industry requires that of you you know it's like if you right. want to make a living at it you're competing with the guy that's doing that that doesn't give a rat's ass about touring or being on the road so if you wanted to balance the two i think it's a really hard balance um but i think it's doable and and um 
yeah, that's kind of the balance I'm looking for. But yeah, at the moment I'm, I'm doing the tour with you. I think it'll be yeah. fun. You know, it'll be cool to, to get back on the road and, and do that stuff. But for the most part, I've taken a break from it, which is it's kind of weird. And it's you're also right. Nice yeah, it is nice to take a break every once in a while. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if it's a good idea or not. I did release that record, and I I agree. I think it was yeah. successful release for the most part. Um, and I think if I had toured on it and really put a lot of effort behind the promotion, I think it would have been even more. Oh, totally. Successful. Yeah, it was a great record. It sounds so good. Yeah. I'm sorry. What's the name of the record again? It's uh, Rooted in You. Rooted in You. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, all the songs which you produced yourself and recorded it in your own studio, right? Yeah, yeah, just like, that just, was kind of the project, you know, it was almost for that rather than it was to yeah. get out on the road and tour, I was like, I just want to see if I can do this. Like, I would have never been like, oh, this was recorded in a home studio, it sounded oh, like really you. good. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> yeah, everyone thinks that, they're like, oh, if it's recorded in a home studio, it's going to sound like shit, and I'm like, I don't, well, technology yeah. these days, you know, it really... It's possible. At yeah, least. it is possible. Yeah. Especially, especially if you know what you're doing, you know. Yeah, there. you have to know what you're doing for sure. Um, I was going to say, oh, that's what I was going to say. I was talking to Adrian and Meredith uh, last night, and they've been on the road um, pretty much for two years. Yeah. Promoting this their last record. And um, I was talking to them last night, and they're like, we're just tired. We just want to be home. Yeah. Like, they keep turning down offers because they're like, I don't want to do this right now. You yeah, know? yeah, and, totally. Um, I'm not there yet. I'm still excited, you know. Yeah, on, yeah. I guess I'm on the front half of that part. But yeah, like I, I totally get it because if you do more than like uh, a two-week run, I think, yeah, me and Chris were talking about that on the last podcast. Um, if you do more than a two-week run, you start like hating everything. You just want to be <laughs> home, you know. Like, yeah, yeah. You're so tired of like just... It, it's a weird it's a weird thing that that balancing the you know being on the road and enjoying mm -hmm. like that kind of um experience and then being like i really just want to be like at home writing songs and recording and no one around like yeah uh, i struggle with that going back and forth so i usually keep it under two weeks at a time and it, yeah. it kind of that's been my balance that's really helped for sure i could imagine that and if i were to tour again i would a hundred percent do that as well especially because to make income on the tour is the longer you're out right the harder the expenses really just grow and grow and i, I always felt like my most successful runs uh when i was in colorado were like five days right like when i would come home and kind of do the math it was like oh i actually you know profited on the five day ones but i did one three three week almost month-long tour like it was so fun it was like all the way to california and then all the way up to seattle and then back to colorado uh, but that one, I, I, uh, at the end, when I finished, I had made $20, which a lot of people said was successful. They're like, <laughs> for your first tour, for your first, for your first long tour. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, yeah, okay, sweet. You know, that's a good way to look at it, you know? Uh, but yeah, if you, if you did that a bunch, um, or if I did that a bunch, you know, obviously that wouldn't work. Yeah. So I mean, I, when you have bills to pay and yeah yeah totally you can't come home with 20 bucks in your pocket yeah you yeah. can't be like that was great vacation yeah <laughs> yeah three-week vacation Woo. um but yeah i think it's it's to each his own you know i think about this a lot um and especially in nashville where you're surrounded by so many people that are super committed to the touring and the artist career and yeah. are doing great at it um 
you know, are really just hustling and putting out great art. And like, I just am so impressed with that aspect of it. Um, but at the same token, I've been really trying to be self-aware of like my own happiness and sanity along the way and like trying to figure that out. And And I don't know if the, the studio route or sync licensing route or any of that stuff is more sane. I think the entire <laughs> music industry is not maybe the healthiest industry to get into, but, uh, it's but true. it's just teach his own, you know? Yeah. And if that's, that's what works for you, then that's awesome. Yeah. Cause I mean, there, we definitely need more people, you know, producing and, and writing songs with it for us. And it's a great, it's definitely a great Avenue to go down for sure. Yeah, it is. Um, yeah, and there's something like, like for example, like working with, like when I worked with Emma, th- that collaboration with an artist where you're like, I, I really do feel a sense of like my greatest potential is there where it's like, oh, I can help, you know, hear the baseline and hear the whole production Yeah. Uh, if someone's having trouble with that. And then I also love when they hear it too and we're kind of riffing back and forth and, you know, we're both at the same level something I've learned recently is like this notion of producer is a weird role, uh, especially these days where it means so many things. Yeah. And, um, and I like to think of it as like, you're almost not a producer. You're just like another person in the room and maybe problems arise when there's like an ego around, uh, being a producer and like, shoot, I need to be doing something like what's my role here, you know? And then you might overdo, you might try to like, assert yourself where you're not needed right because a lot of times the artist is doing great it's like you don't need to do anything just sit back and let them do their thing yeah and like help out here and there yeah Um, it's almost like a it's almost like a manager stepping in yeah whenever someone can't do the job but you know if you if you're standing over someone's shoulder the whole time they might not be able to create as well in the studio Mm -hmm. yeah i've heard a lot of horror stories about that so that's something i've really been trying to be aware of and and i think it's a, a great aspect of a good producer is like or engineer or whatever you're doing is just like let the magic happen and don't try to destruct it right for your own ego it's like i'm a producer <laughs> i must produce <laughs> right yeah, yeah like proving yourself in some way whatever. yeah feeling like you're doing something so uh you you have been writing new songs um you showed me one the other day. That was great. You're doing some more like guitar stuff lately, right? Mm-hmm. Um, what are some of your influences? Uh, the last record, man, I feel like Towns Van Zant really influenced me more than most. Yeah. Um, I don't know, man. There's something about him that I just really like connect with in his like simplicity of the writing. Mm-hmm. This sort of sadness <laughs> that's like so real, like sorrow, uh, and like the the beauty of the instruments and stuff like that. I I don't know. I just really like his writing. So he's been a big influence since moving to Nashville. Um, beyond that, I love like funk horns, James Brown. You know, it doesn't really come out in my most recent music, but I really love it. Uh, no, I totally hear it. No, yeah, yeah. Hear it. Oh, yeah, horn String section. band, yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, and then bluegrass-wise, yeah, I, I've i spent a lot of time studying bluegrass and, like, Bella Fleck and uh, the the infamous String Dusters. I love them. And um, Noam Pekilny, the Prunch Brothers, you yeah. know, all this progressive bluegrass. I really like that, too. Um a huge influence um 
is actually John Hartford. Really? Yeah. yeah. John Hartford also like Towns Van Zandt. It's just someone I like connect with on like a, I like get their vibe. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, and, and they're both older, you know, it's like this older generation of, uh, 70s, 60s, 70s music. Yeah. That kind of came from the, the bluegrass singer songwriter country Western world. I don't know. We were yeah. kind of talking about uh, the difference uh, between like Colorado bluegrass and like n- just East Coast bluegrass in general, not just Kentucky, but like, mm-hmm. and you sort of merge that really well together. Which, but it's it's interesting because yeah. I can totally hear some of the like Colorado style yeah. and what you're doing, but you also are, are very well versed in like the the traditional bluegrass stuff, and it comes it almost comes out like. Um, it, well, it's your own style. It's like very melodic, uh, yeah. kind of, uh, rolling patterns and stuff like that. And the more I've gotten to see you play, the more it's like, Oh, that's so cool. Like you've sort of developed your own style of banjo well, thank playing. You. I appreciate that. Yeah. Sometimes I was like, did I develop my own style or did I just not practice enough? Like, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, with the banjo, it's like this terrible struggle that I have, uh, like I've gone through periods in my life where I studied it so hard, like, you know, put in multiple hours a day on it every day. And, and, uh, and I, I felt like I really progressed, but then I always see these young players that are like, you know, 20 years old coming out that are just phenomenal. I mean, it's just mind bending how good they are. And I can only imagine how many hours they've put on that instrument. Uh, and I've kind of come to accept that I, I'm never going to be like a virtuoso player necessarily. Yeah. At times maybe I'm, you know, I've, I've done my fair share on the instrument. Uh, but that, that does bug me cause I feel like the, the banjo is seen as this virtuosic instrument. Like right. a lot of people don't give it credit unless you're just like raging some like modern progressive bluegrass style like Bella Fleck for people right. who aren't familiar with the finer nuances of all these crazy banjo players out there. Well, then it makes, you know, uh, traditional bluegrass players seem like they're not even that great or, you know, or yeah. you're, you're like, they were shredding and for their day it was like, it was amazing. amazing. I mean, Earl Scruggs style yeah. and, uh, and, and Ralph Stanley's style to me are like super, um, advanced and, and really hard to master like they did, you know, with the speed and the clarity of their yeah. picking, but it's always going to sound like backwoods playing you know it's going to sound like traditional bluegrass it yeah. came out of kentucky it came out of appalachia um it's going to sound dated right you know and then you get these modern players that are like taking that aspect and then building on what everyone did in the 70s and 80s with like new grass revival and right. stuff and uh and then jazz. adding <laughs> and then building now on the punch brothers yeah no bikini so they're taking it like another step further out right. there and that stuff is just getting crazy, you know. It's yeah. like <laughs> it's like insane. I was watching like Bluegrass Situation just put up the ten best, like new best banjo players that you've never heard of. And like, man, those guys are like tremendous players. Yeah. Three or four of them were women, which is amazing, you know, like yeah. it's just it the the whole thing is changing, which is awesome. That's great. Do you yeah. see yourself continuing to to uh, play banjo? To yeah, pursue like more of a yeah. banjo career. I, I would love to. I once again that balance thing, like the the production stuff, takes so much time. Um, 
that my banjo playing has suffered a little bit, but I still play it almost every day. Yeah. I try to practice every day and it's the one instrument that I'm like really committed to to mastering over my lifetime. Somehow I yeah. won't I won't be like those little whippersnappers, but <laughs> I'll get there. <laughs> <laughs> you might be like 50. But. I might I might yeah, I don't know. Uh, there's a guy that uh, I met the other day and he was uh, in the middle of recording um, three banjos and he was like, you always got to do the odd numbers. You can't do, you can't do two. It's either one or three. <laughs> one or three banjos. <laughs> that was hilarious. That's cool, man. Uh, That's pretty interesting. But yeah. Oh, and um, just to embarrass you li- live on the podcast, I think it's cool that my good friend, Jesse Rayo, um, He's he plays banjo in the Rayo Brothers down in Lafayette, Louisiana, and um, he had been watching your videos because you did an instructional series a few yeah. years ago. Whenever he started out, um, and he's like probably one of the best banjo players in uh, definitely in Lafayette, but wow. probably in South Louisiana now. And he started oh, out watching to... some of your videos, which is really cool. <laughs> yeah, I wish I'd put out more of those. I did that for a short period. I. Before moving to Nashville, I was a banjo teacher. Yeah. Um, and I still am a banjo teacher. I actually have a student right now. Yes. But um, <laughs> so I, uh, yeah, I, I taught music lessons for all of my 20s pretty much and uh, and was really trying to do the whole YouTube instructional thing. But I didn't put up too many videos, but I'm so glad your friend yeah. <laughs> saw that. It's so awesome. And uh, that's just cool, man. That's like the internet doing its thing. Totally doing its thing. Yeah. yeah. I, I would love to do that again in the you, future. You actually have a degree in guitar. Yeah. I actually have a, a bachelor of, what is it? Technically, I went to music school and I got a bachelor of arts in world music with an emphasis in classical guitar. Yeah. It's kind of like what the degree was. It's So you're literally all over there. the place. You're like doing I'm all over electronica, the place. banjo, yeah, over classical the guitar. Yeah. There's like a finer thread of finger picking acoustic music through the whole thing, but (laughs) that's about it. Right. Yeah. So you had to play like classical guitar pieces. Yeah. For four years, man, I was like, I like didn't even remember how to like write music. I was so focused on classical guitar. I was reading sheet music, trying to perform for my, you know, end of the year thing and recital and, uh, it was so great, but so bad at the same time because I like got out of music school and I was like, wait, like all these other genres, all these other styles of music I used to love, I like don't even play anymore. Yeah. Like, got my electric guitar out again. Like I had been playing the banjo the whole time, but, uh, still it was like kind of tough. That transition was tough. Yeah, I do remember that because I, I have a minor in jazz bass and for a while I was going for um, performance and um, I used to like love playing bass, but when you're like forced to like learn parts, yeah. you almost like don't love it as much. Like totally. in the long run you do because you're like, oh wow, you see all the improvement. But like when you're like in the hustle of it and you're just like learning all these things, you're just like, I don't want to do this. I want to be yeah, writing or playing or doing anything else, but yeah. practicing. But yeah, that's, it's really nice to, to force yourself to like be better. Cause then you find yourself, it really is useful in the long run, you know? Yeah. In the long run, I think that sort of foundation of music school uh, was really helpful. It helped with teaching for sure. Yeah. Um, and then, I use the theory all the time, right? Uh, which is really nice. 
Uh, it's like rudimentary theory. I could have taken one semester, but it's still like I, I use it. Yeah. Uh, and um, yeah, but like you said, when you're in music school, especially like I was in a very classically oriented music school, it just felt like, how am I going to relate this to the outside world? Yeah. You know, like I'm learning about Bach and, you know, Pachelbel and the history of music too. And I was like, oh, this is interesting but yeah. the whole time i was like how am i gonna take these skills outside and in the end you figure out a way but it is a weird experience for sure yeah um well um how do you feel about playing a song for us yeah man i can do that marlena song i'd love to hear it. that's a new one that you have fairly new it hasn't been put out yet it's like a couple months old you want to tell us a little bit about it before we get you to play sure. it sure um yeah, so this song, uh, I read a book called Water for Elephants and uh, was inspired by the story. And uh, the main character was, one of the main characters was named Marlena. And I thought that was a very musical name. And so this song kind of just came out. Not an exact descriptor of the plot line of the book, but related in a way. And um, that's kind of how the song came out. All right, let's hear it. Cool. Here's Wilson Harwood with Marlena. Silk skin glowing by the firelight We melted like butter in the pan You held me with experience in your hand I saw you washing in the Softly as a whisper Marlena, you ride over railroad ties When you left me, I guess it was no surprise Oh, Marlena, all I taste is salty water the echo of your laughter Falling in heavy rain Oh, Marlena, I'm your broken lover The kind you discover And always wash away You're
Thanks so much, Wilson Harwood, for being on the show. So excited to have you on, and uh, sorry about taking so long to actually get the podcast up. So we have some news I'm excited about. First off, we have two showcases coming up during Americana Fest. The um, the first showcase is going to be on September 12th at the Well Coffee House off of Granny White Pike uh, here in Nashville, Tennessee. Um, so that. Some of the people that are going to be on that include Lateral Blue, which the first podcast had Caleb Edwards on. Um, we've got uh, Adrian and Meredith who will be on a future episode of the podcast. And um, actually, I believe we're mentioned in this episode of the podcast as well. There's some friends of mine. Uh, we also have the Jellyman's Daughter out of Ireland. We have um, we have the Barefoot Movement, um, Arcadian Wild. It's going to be a great night of a lot of really amazing uh, talent in the Americana scene. Um, we're going to be live podcasting, asking questions um, to each of the bands. It's going to be exciting. And on September 14th, we're going to have uh, a songwriter showcase. Um, and Chris Moise, Fawn Larson, who have both been on the podcast, Jason Hawk Harris, who's also been on the podcast, Kelsey May out of New Orleans. Um, is going to be on there and Hannah Miller who hasn't yet been on the podcast but will be uh, so it's going to be a great great Americana Fest I'm really looking forward to it and uh, stay tuned for next episode we're going to have Underhill Family Orchestra some dear dear friends of mine so thanks so much for listening make sure you follow us on all the social media uh, Instagram Facebook and uh, we'll see you next time my name's Will Payne Harrison thanks for listening <laughs>